This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Z-Dog MD, Vinay, Dr. Vinay Prasad. We're talking myocarditis, children vaccines. Go, let's talk about this. Let's do this. This yeah. is a good topic because it's a topic that... Um, you know, I was part of two op-eds about uh, about a week or two ago, one in MedPage Today and one in Stat. Um, and I'm joined by my colleagues, uh, Vink Morthy, Brahmaji Nalamothu, uh, Amy Beck, uh, Raman uh, Farzani Fa, um, Wes Pegden. Uh, gosh, who am I missing? And Vink, I think a second time. So, I mean, I got cardiologists and pediatricians and uh, brown people, white people. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I got, I got, I, I'm, 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 uh, we're not discriminating in these things. You know, <laughs> we're getting everybody, uh, all the stakeholders, everyone who's interested in this issue, uh, at least who I've noticed to be interested. Um, and what are we talking about? We're talking about mRNA vaccines, particularly dose two and adolescents, particularly boys, particularly between the ages of 12 and 24, 26-ish, um, and myocarditis. Mm. Um, and this is something that, you know, some of us have been following kind of quietly for a while. Um, in February, there was an initial report of uh, a teenager in Israel who had myocardial uh, myocarditis, my, my, myocardial inflammation, um, after receiving um, the Pfizer vaccine. And since then, um, we've just seen more and more reports. By late April, um, Israel had announced that it was occurring with some frequency in young adults, particularly men, particularly after dose two. Um, the EMA launched an inquiry, I believe, on May 7th. Um, on May 7th was the date that Wes Pegden, myself, and Steph Burrell from Hopkins wrote an op-ed in BMJ where we said, you might want to wait on the emergency use authorization. You know, I think we talked about that on a prior episode mm. um, uh, while this is getting sorted out. And then subsequently, we had a few more cases. The CDC put out uh, a statement saying they're looking, they're soliciting more cases. And then the vaccine surveillance had a big bump in the cases. And then they had a meeting to discuss the frequency of myocarditis and whether or not the risks outweigh benefits. Um, and we went and I, you know, I listened to that meeting, this, a, this AHIP meeting, the uh, Advisory Committee of Immunization Practices. Um, and uh, you know, I think like a lot of people, who, the people who've co-authored this commentary with, uh, didn't like exactly what I heard. Um, and so we decided to frame to talk about this issue. Yeah. So what is this issue? I guess you know, young people, particularly young boys, are having myocardial inflammation, myocarditis, um, and pericarditis, and it is occurring at rates much higher than baseline rates. I mean, you know, at least 20, 20 times higher, but maybe even hundred times higher. But the baseline rates are very low. Um, it's worse after dose two. I mean, by that I mean most cases reported are after the second dose. Um, and I guess the question is that we have is is the best strategy two doses of mRNA for all these kids, which is what the CDC has come out saying. Or is there something in between two doses and nothing that's a better strategy? And our op-ed explores that. And we talk about some of the reasons why there is a middle ground. Yeah, and, and what I like about that op-ed, which we're gonna link to, is that you you, you are talking about nuance. There is, they're, they're, they're going with this public health idea of there's black and white uh, solutions, right? To keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. And they say the risk of myocarditis is far outweighed by the benefits of the vaccines based on these calculations of here's a chance of getting COVID, here's a chance of dying or being hospitalized from COVID. And of course, we know that COVID can cause heart problems too, which we should talk about yeah. because Mandrola and you guys wrote a good yeah, op-ed in stat one, yeah. about that. But um, 
And, and, and the risk of myocarditis is quite low based on VAERS data and what we've seen so far. But in the piece, you argue a few interesting things. One is that we're probably underestimating the actual incidence of myocarditis. And even though most do recover and it is generally not severe, it can be severe. Yes, you can die, you can have uh, chronic heart uh, injury, you can do, uh, other things can happen. But in general, people do get better. And so the argument from CDC was, well, but, but the danger of COVID is higher. Even in these kids, even across the spectrum, even a kid who has had COVID before, <laughs> yeah, no has antibodies detectable, um, maybe even had myocarditis after the first dose, and they would still say, yeah, go ahead and get that second dose. So Crazy. it's just a lack uh, lack of kind of diving into it more. So what, what's the nuance around yeah, this? Yeah, let's hit some of these points. So one, theirs is an underestimate. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, uh, Actually, before I do that, I want to say one point about what people were saying. There were people who said at the date of the EUA that we know this vaccine is safe and there will be no safety signal at all. They said that confidently. Mm, mm. And we said, Wes and I and, and Steph, that you don't know that, that yeah. safety signals vary based on age and you might have a safety signal. So the mere fact we're talking about this, I think suggests that some people don't know what the hell they were talking about, <laughs> which is something that I sincerely believe. So you know who you are. You were wrong. You said it was totally safe. This is a safety signal you didn't anticipate. Yep. I saw it coming because I follow the Israeli news. Thank goodness, because people send me things. Um, mm. Okay, theirs. The moment they detected the safety signal, they had a New York Times story um, that said, if you're aware of myocarditis, report the cases to us. And then the cases had a big uptick. So what does that tell you? That tells you that the surveillance system, it can be improved upon when you solicit, uh, you know, you solicit a problem. It's not a perfect surveillance system. It's a voluntary reporting surveillance system. And those kinds of surveillance systems are so easy for the doctor who sees a myocarditis to say, huh, this can't be, I've never heard of this being linked to a vaccine, never heard of it. Not gonna uh, report. Not gonna, yeah, of course, it can't be linked. It must be just the run of the mill, random myocarditis. Sometimes it's idiopathic, we don't know the cause. And so that's what happens. But then when they tell you, well, hey, we're hearing reports that it might be linked. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get 200 new cases. Uh, right. It tells you that it's not a perfect surveillance system. So that's an important point. Right, and, and I can go the other way too, right? So people can. <laughs> Yeah. Overreport thinking, oh, you know, miscarriage was due to vaccine, <clears throat> but there's no increase in rate relative to the background population. So yeah, it's or a mixed you, bag. I mean, like a nocebo effect. Like, a, like if you yeah. plant something in someone's mind, it can it can be the other way. It can overestimate as well. Right, but you, but you're not but you're not going to get placebo cases of myocarditis. Correct. So so this is a, a this is a diagnostic. They have diagnostic criteria for it. Yes. So these are real myocarditis cases. They just were only associated with vaccine after New York Times raised awareness about it. Yes, uh, at least the the incidence of it went up after the awareness in was bears, raised. In, in bears. Bears. Yeah, yeah. We also have some nice data in, in JAMA from the military that has a sort of much higher frequency, one in maybe 20K in sort of the high-risk age groups. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have data from Israel. And the nice thing about the military in Israel is they're a little bit better about tracking numerators, denominators. You know, it's a single system. Um, Okay, so that's one point. The second thing about myocarditis, yes, it's a stochastic idiopathic side effect. What does that mean? It's idiopathic. It happens to people at random. The kids it's happening to, they can be healthy or they can have medical problems, you know, but it's just occurring at random. We don't really understand who it's occurring in or not, but it doesn't seem to be linked to known risk factors for, for anything in life. Um, it's it's a stochastic uh, adverse event. That means it happens with some sort of randomness to it. And that means that, yes, people can say most cases are mild, most cases self-resolve, but like all stochastic events, by chance alone, some cases won't be mild and some cases will be severe. And we already see that with the case report, the first case report in the pediatrics case series, the journal Pediatrics, where the child in that case report um, had a, uh, appeared to have AV nodal block and had a junctional escape rhythm. So mm -hmm. suggestions of affecting conduction. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be some ongoing CDC attempts to ask if 
if some children who passed away from sudden death, if that was linked to myocarditis or not. I don't know if it is or isn't, but it's something to be explored. It's too early to say that it's only always mild. Yeah. You know, I think that's a misnomer. Yeah. Um, there will likely be some kids with, you know, ventricular dysfunction, diminished ejection fraction, uh, you know, and okay, so then we're gonna talk about the risk benefit. But if you're if you're really talking about like a 15 year old who had COVID and recovered, got one dose and then got the second dose and then has myocarditis and has some diminished ejection fraction, I would argue that that 15 year old uh, had a disservice by getting two doses of mRNA after having recovered from COVID. That just there, doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't pass the common sense test. Now, one thing you mentioned is that there's stochastic and idiosyncratic. <clears throat> components to myocarditis. Yes. So you don't know which kid's gonna get it. There's no predisposition beyond being male, perhaps, yes. and being in the age group. However, with COVID infection- Correct. that's a key difference. There is a, a very clear predisposition. If you have preexisting conditions, including obesity, you're more likely to be hospitalized or very sick with COVID. Now, it's yes. not true of MISC necessarily. Correct, that's also an idiosyncratic thing, yep. right? Mm -hmm. But you're making a really good point, which is the CDC, they debuted this like model and their model says a few things. They say, let's assume that in the 120 days prior to the end of May, um, that rate of COVID persists into the future which it didn't actually, it's much lower now. So that's mm. one erroneous mm. model. Yeah. But let's assume that rate persists in the future. Let's assume that hospitalization rate persists in the future. And let's ask, what if the kids get two vaccines versus zero vaccines? What's the risk benefit? And of course, like, um, and let's assume that the numbers we have are perfect accuracy numbers of myocarditis that we're not underestimating. And by that assumption, it, they show even at young ages, it is better to get two than nothing, yeah. assuming their rate of myocarditis and assuming the past rate of COVID spread. But so we immediately call those into question. We said, well, let's assume something rate closer to the Israeli rate, which is higher. Um, okay, let's assume uh, 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 that instead of two doses, you, you, you ask what's the value of getting the second dose for somebody with one dose? We know one dose provides a great deal of protection. Perhaps even the vast majority of protection comes from the first dose. The second dose might add a little bit to that. Um, and so we, we did this analysis. Wes Pegden led it. He published it in the Medium. Um, and it shows the analysis tips. Like very quickly by altering those two conditions, mm. it shows it's actually kind of unfavorable in those groups. And he didn't even alter the rate of COVID in the population, which is actually dropping, which will make it even more unfavorable. And then your point is another astute point, which is that why is this one size fits all men and women, um, you know, uh, help kids with preexisting conditions and uh, those without and those who are obese and those without we can we can have some personalization here. Maybe it makes sense to get two doses if you have underlying medical conditions and you're 17 years old. But maybe if you have recovered from covid uh, or you never had covid, but you're a healthy 12 year old, maybe just one dose is sufficient. What do you need that second dose for? Um, yeah. Your chance of being hospitalized after a one dose of mRNA from subsequent COVID is probably as close to zero as it comes in this world. In a kid, yeah, in a kid, of absolutely, course. yeah. So that that was that was the beauty of that look at it is is you know CDC has to do this very black and white thing, and this is not a black and white thing. And many parents will email me and say, "Hey, here's the." It's interesting. They always start with. Let me give you the life story of this kid, which is what you actually ought to be doing right. when you're making complex medical decisions, which in a kid, I would argue that vaccination for coronavirus in the setting of what we know about myocarditis, if they're a male, you know, is it's a slightly more complex decision. Yeah, I think it's more complex. And that's what Mandrola wrote, uh, John Mandrola, yeah. wrote a piece in Medscape. Cardiologist. Mm -hmm. and, and he said, you know, he had a couple, so many great lines. He always has great lines, but one is like, you know, you only have one heart and inflammation of it is always something to be taken seriously. Yeah. 
And he also said that like, um, just like minor surgery, the old saying says minor surgery is surgery done on someone else. And so mild myocarditis <laughs> is myocarditis in someone else's kid. Uh, you know, because it's, it's, it's the, true. I'm sure like your kid's hospitalized for this and they got them on telemetry. It's like something to worry about. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're talking about a healthy kid, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's Mandrola's point. Uh, the other point is there was an essay in uh, the New York Times and this essay argued that it is better to give two doses to every kid now because if you don't, they will all eventually get COVID-19. Eventually, mm -hmm. they'll be exposed to COVID-19. It's endemic. It'll keep circulating. They'll eventually get it. Right. And those outcomes will be far worse. Mm. And I think that's – I mean that that statement is true, of course, that yeah. uh, it like it would be worse to eventually get it than to get the back – you know, to, and, and two doses now is better. However, but that's not the right question. The question is – you know. Two, it's like, first of all, you don't have to give two right now. You could do one. So right. there's a middle ground that you're excluding. And two, by the time everyone quote unquote gets it, how long down the road are we going to be? Yeah. You're telling me you'll have learned nothing about the safety and how to deliver this mRNA? Uh, one possibility is that the dose um, in micrograms of the mRNA construct, yeah, it's high. It's high. It's the adult dose that's being extrapolated, 12 to 15. From 11 to 6, they're using a third the dose. And then my understanding is they're using one third of that in the in the less than in the in the five and below age groups mm. or less than five, um, maybe there is some dose dependency here, and that we can quickly do a couple of studies to show that you can get away with giving a lower dose, and maybe this idiosyncratic reaction is lessened. Maybe it's not. I mean, I don't know the answer if dose is driving it, but I certainly think it's something that you ought to explore with with vigor um, before you conclude it's either two at this dose or nothing. You know, that's not that's that to me strikes me as odd. Yeah. And again, there's an absolutism, I think, in public health messaging about this. You know, all these kids should get the vaccine, two doses. There's no nuance, no room for nuance. No, 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 no room even to accept parental concerns. Yeah. You know, and and you know this is like has been historically the realm of the anti-vaxxers, like my kid, my choice, my whatever, right? But the truth is it's always, it should always be that, but we have more data for certain vaccines, more understanding Correct. of the communal benefit. In this case, the community benefit, which you can't ignore of, of vaccinating against coronavirus, there is a community herd immunity benefit, but it's pretty small, I think, with the kids component. I think you vaccinate all vulnerable adults, most adults, as much as you can, you're gonna have 95% of that benefit. And you, you didn't even have to vaccinate the kids. Now- Of course, I agree with you. You know what I mean? It's kind of like we're, we're dealing with incremental stuff and then the only question is what's the harm? And the harm is we've talked about. There's not even just the harm of myocarditis, there's the harm of the kids getting, getting side effects of the vaccine, sure. the usual like, you know, you know, my daughter was out for a few hours complaining in status dramaticus and I gave her some Tylenol, she got better, right? And I made the very conscious decision, two doses for her because she is a female mm, and yes. we are planning to travel and you know, Hawaii has vaccine passports now and she wanted to get the full dose because her parents' friends won't let them play without masks unless everyone's vaccinated. So you see the complexity of it. Yeah. Is it a pure medical decision? No. no. Is there a component of emotional hassle, practicality? But I did know the statistics and I said, well, the chance of something bad happening to her and the benefit to her so, is higher. Some of, some of the dose directly treats the brain of the parent's friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in that case, it's more effective than that bullshit Alzheimer's drug. Yeah, that it is, it is. Right? It has more it neurogenic crosses the blood brain barrier it crosses it crosses immediately knowledge of this crosses the blood brain barrier. so so malone and these kind of fringy characters here saying that the <laughs> spike protein crosses blood brain oh, barrier they're right it does the what vaccine does like spikeanistas they are also obsessed with the spikeanistas yeah oh but you know i i think you're making so many good points like uh it's obviously no one is you know there's no one-size-fits-all decision but um 
I, I find it funny that people think that there's just like um, either you keep your head down and get every vax you're supposed to get right when you're told to get it. Or you're an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, of course they're thoughtful people that are going to disagree um, on these issues. Yeah. One thing that really cracked me up was, um, you know, I felt bad for my colleagues. Um, Venk Morthy, I saw, uh, you know, this guy's a cardiac MR specialist. So he's like, there's nobody knows more about myocarditis than this guy. And then he's like getting lectured by, um, you know, all these randos on Twitter. On Twitter, right? And then somebody's like, you know, I don't take my advice from a cardiologist. I take my advice from an expert in vaccine. You know, they have some uh, expertise. I always find that so interesting because like, I don't know. What makes this rando so much of an expert that they know who the real expert is? <laughs> you know, like who anointed this vet rando it, with the, the ability it, to discern the real expert? It's the fragmentation crisis yeah. of reality. We, we question the nature of reality now because we question expertise based on our tribal affiliation. Well, I'm siding with the vaccinologist now, but then- the minute that tips politically, you're now siding with the anti-vaxxer. Like, Remember that they were like, you know, what did they say? Something like, I, I, I always never question the CDC. They're doing their best job. They're making the best decisions. Right. But then the moment the CDC said you can you omit the mask, take the mask they're off. like, the CDC's lost their mind. Suddenly National Nurses <laughs> yeah. United is like, wait, no, we disagree with the CDC. Yeah. Who the hell are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the thing is, it's like, you know, they have this real, everybody has their own bias. Nurses are seeing people die in the ICU. They're seeing the sickest of the sick. Of course, they're yes. going to be emotionally attached to having masks, whether or not we have data sure, that they work in the sure. public, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's something, you're doing something. Because anything that would prevent that patient dying alone and getting FaceTime from his family, which by the way is the oh, is God. a criminal act, yeah, which we've we talked, talked about, about, which we're gonna look back. We talked about in another episode about how we're gonna look back on this and go, oh, we were worse in the Middle Ages in terms yeah. of not even doing studies on masks and stuff. We're gonna look back on this and go, this was like a, a human rights violation that I, we perpetrated as a system. I wonder if even in the, if somebody on. died of the Black Death in the Middle Ages, did they? I bet they probably let relatives visit that person. Yeah, I and they would die, then die of the Black Plague. Some of them maybe. Some but of them maybe. Many but, but, but even that, like this is it's it's insane. We know how to keep family members safe. Oh yes. Put them in an N95. Of course. Ventilate the room. It's it's not rocket, it's science, not rocket science. And yet, you oh. know, like. It, it, that's, that's going to get us fired up again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but this was, I mean, this mRNA thing I think is so interesting. Um, you know, I tried to explain it to a lot of people from reporters to like lay people. And um, and I'm just drawn to like, like I, I just told people like, like j just do the math, like make an Excel spreadsheet, put what today's rate or tomorrow's rate or put whatever rate you want of SARS-CoV-2 spread and then estimate for 100,000 people this rate of spread, how many will get it, how many be hospitalized. These parameters are known. Um, one of the things that's under-discussed is that um, some of the hospitalization rates have fallen over time, and now adolescents have a path to recombinant uh, uh, antibody products, which might make things better for them. And then also look on the other side of the ledger. You do the math yourself. Assume the U.S. VAERS rate. Assume Israeli rate. Assume the JAMA military study rate, which is something I think in between. And then you do the math and you figure out what the age is the tipping point in your mind. And the, an the honest answer is so many people have such strong opinions, but they don't want to open the Excel spreadsheet and do the math. Mm. And, and, I tell, and I tell you, like, I was like, the reason I – I know I'm right. <laughs> it's that I know how to open the spreadsheet and do the math. And so, yeah. you know, and I think that's why, you know, Wes got poor Wes Pegnan. He's a brilliant mathematician, professor of mathematics at Carnegie Mellon. Um, and, you know, people got a lot of pushback. Like, who is this mathematician to, to tell me that it – I was like, he's a mathematician. He knows how to do numbers, man. He's doing the numbers. It's a numerical question and he's putting in numbers. What do you think he knows the answer? That's how. What do you – it's not the rocket science. We've lost our minds in terms of expertise, oh you know. 
And, and you know, the thing is, people on all sides of this thing make that argument that appeal to authority or the appeal to expertise or yeah. anti-expertise. Oh, uh, oh, you know, well, you know, Pierre Corey is a frontline clinical doc taking care of patients. What the fuck are you doing, Z Dog? Well, I you know, talk to a lot of doctors too and have a ability to look at evidence and actually have been. Yeah, I always feel slighted seen. by that though because I, I was like, I was like, I'm going to clinic and yeah. I'm wearing that. Thin That's why you're wearing a goddamn <laughs> yeah. suit. Yeah. yeah, and soon I was. I, well, for the most of the pandemic, we wore that thin surgical mask oh, and. Yeah perhaps even in a poorly ventilated room. Yeah. I was playing potentially Russian roulette every time I was seeing a patient. But you know what? I believe in duty, so I'm gonna keep doing it. Yeah. Exactly right. And and uh, also getting a paycheck. <laughs> that's yeah, true, That's yeah. the other thing, right? Like yeah. if I stop working, it's just like any essential worker. That's that's a whole poverty thing. Like, well you, well, you can stop and stay safe or you can be on the street. Yeah. I mean, you know, or and you can be on the street. And, right. and even though I'm a doctor and professor, to be honest with you, I, I couldn't stop working because no. I do need the paycheck. You I will go San bankrupt. Fran you live yeah. in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I'll go yeah. bankrupt quickly. But maybe I'll, I'll migrate. Quickly, I'll have to leave San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. first thing you do when you lose it out is escape. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's one That's one last thing we should talk about in this episode. Brett Weinstein, one of his arguments of being censored on YouTube is that half his income disappears when his his family's income disappears when he's demonetized. Because really? he, you know, remember he was like excommunicated from Evergreen College of uh, whatever, and then d does his show and that's how he monetizes. And so when he's censored, even if you disagree with what he's saying, which I strongly do, especially now that he's really kind of fallen in with the more like kind of very, I, I consider to be delusional elements of the anti-vaccine kind of establishment, Robert F. Kennedy and these guys. Oh, okay. um, it, it's, I still would fight tooth and nail for his right to say whatever he wants. Yeah, I feel that's that's what I struggle with, which is that you know, even people I vehemently disagree with, um, I don't believe in banning them from these platforms. I mean, because I think I can't think of a of of a, of a way you can separate all the people who say true and useful things from all the people who say untrue and non useful things. Yeah. a lot of people say some blend of it. So who are we to, to decide? I will say that's different than. You know, often people say they're like, oh, they're like, uh, VP, you blocked me. You blocked me. <laughs> I was like, blocking you is not banning you from speaking. You're yeah. free to preach to whatever fools want to follow you. You're just out of my face. You're out of my yeah. face. It's like saying that like, uh, it's, it's a violation of your freedom of speech not to be invited to my dinner party. I'm like, <laughs> what do I want you in my dinner party? No, get out of here. Yeah. And, and I also think it's kind of funny that among people who are blocked, Every single one of them believes that they were blocked because the other person couldn't handle their brilliance. That, that's right. That's right. It's always it's the case. Always, like, oh, I was so brilliant. That's right. That's right. Oh my god! You know, how can you believe that? It, you know, it, it, it gets to it gets to this this phrase: "Good fences make good neighbors." Mm. It used to be these kind of ding dongs were at a distance. You didn't have to block them. You couldn't see them because they're geographically yeah. isolated. Now we've reduced everything to a common village of idiots throwing feces at each other where there's no fence. Anybody whose ideas are abhorrent to you can be in your feed throwing feces at you. And either you block them and build a little virtual fence, but then get them going to the PTA and being like, this guy blocked me and he's a menace to society. And it, it's crazy. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer yet to that. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, one of the things you told me that has persuaded me, which is that, um, you know, you don't spend a lot of time interacting on social media. Right. And I've stopped like looking. I've yeah. stopped looking and I've stopped like, like if I have a thought that I think is funny and clever, I used to like actually maybe tweet that out. Right. And now I'm like, you know what? Let yeah. me think twice. Yeah. No, it's not even that. It's just like, yeah, screw them. You know, like uh, I'll tell my friend, you know, I'll tell, you know, like I, I don't even need to tell it. And it's like, I, I worry that 
even our minimal participation, like even tweeting links to our stuff, yeah, I worry that someday, like, are we complicit with these shitty algorithms and these shitty platforms? So, 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 actually, it's a great way to to end this episode because um, I struggle with this daily. Yeah, like I've I've come out very strong that I think Facebook and YouTube's and and these algorithms have been damaging to to our civil discourse, have further fragmented us, have created this village of idiots throwing feces at each other, have tribalized us, and are hyper stimulating our evolutionary drive in a way that it's damaging. You know, there's a story of, a, of a, this beetle uh, in Australia that looks, it's like brown and has a big old butt and all this. And it almost went extinct because Aussies were throwing these beer bottles down on the ground and the beer bottle image of it, the back end of that beer bottle looked like the back end of a female beetle. And the male beetles, it was hyper stimulating. Like it looked like the juiciest, most voluptuous beetle, beetle butt. And the beetles would have sex with this bottle to the, to their extinction almost. And and female beetles are sitting around going, what about me and my chopped liver? Because they were so hyper-stimulated. So we're in a world now where tech has hyper-stimulated, hacked our desire for dopamine, for belonging, for tribalism, for acceptance, for outrage, with outrage porn and tribalization to where we are addicts that are at the whim of this. And so there's part of me that's like, you know what? I am advocating my Facebook and YouTube followers to move to a platform called Locals, because in Locals, you don't play that game. Yeah. You you pay a fee like five bucks a month to be part of a tribe that you care about, and you dis- and, and I set the tone for that tribe, but everybody has conversations with each other, and it's off that grid. There's no ads, there's none of that, and so that's one solution. And there's no risk that you'll be thrown off if you- Can't be, can't be canceled. You so can't? Their whole thing is we don't, we allow free speech, which does attract some cuckoos, right, okay. but that's okay because they're gonna attract their tribes anywhere anyways. So this is just a, a facilitated community, and they have their own policies of like they won't, won't allow certain things, but- uh, um, you like you have to have some moderation cap capability, so you can't be posting like we're going to burn down the government and all this other stuff. That's interesting. And what about anonymity? Ah, so here's the beautiful thing: you have to sign up with your email. I see. With an email that works, okay. which means that I have your information in terms of email. Okay. And so, if you're going to be crazy, first of all, I can ban you. Second of all, I've got your email. If you sign up with a fake email, yes, like what about that? They, they, I think they figure that out. I see. Yeah. So interesting. Which is important. You don't have to give your real name, but you got an email there. I yeah. think one of the biggest problems for what I see with Twitter and Facebook is just the fraction of an- anonymous is, and and not that I want to say that like. I understand why some people feel the need to be anonymous. They have jobs that they worry about retribution for any little stray thing they say. Um, but I do worry that there are some actors who are like anonymous. They may be running like twelve accounts or something, and yeah. this, you know that's one challenge. And and state actors who do that. State actors, yeah. And 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 uh, and I think the other thing. I, well, anyway, we could talk a lot more about it. But let's let's skip it for this time. Yeah, this yeah. Like, oh, we, yeah, we, we go off the rails real this. easy. All right, yeah. guys. Bottom line: share the video. You know what to do. All right. Thanks, Vinay. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, It just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, 
Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.